narrative of the era. Hello, I'm a Mac. And I'm a PC. Nobody told you that I'm Mud, dear. Mud to the D-E-A. The name's Bond. James Bond. Open your Bible to Exodus chapter 3. We are going to continue in our focus Hello, my name is God. We are learning the names of God, and by learning the names of God, we are learning God. Because every name that God uses to introduce himself is actually revealing an aspect or a characteristic of himself to us. And I don't know about you, but I want to know God. I want to know every side of God. I want to know every aspect of God. I want to know every characteristic of God. Is anybody with me here today? Exodus chapter 3, starting with verse number 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And Moses replied, Here I am. Somebody say, Here I am. Then he said, Do not draw near this place, but take your sandals off your feet. For the place where you stand is holy ground. Somebody say, Holy ground. Hallelujah. I feel like that today. I feel like that right now. I feel like God is in this place. God himself is here. And I feel like we are on holy ground. Oh, I got to read on. Verse number six. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, as it were, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. And for all we know, there were some termites there. I don't know. Now, therefore, let me read on. Behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children out of Israel? the children of Israel, excuse me, out of Egypt. So God says back to Moses, 
I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Moses says to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me. And what if they say back to me, What is his name? You see, there were lots of gods, and they all had names. So uh, he says, what shall I tell them your name is? What shall I say to them? Look at verse number 14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. (laughs) And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is his name forever. This is my memorial to all generations. Father, we thank you for your word. It is alive. It is powerful already. It's leaping up off the page already. It's activated in our hearts and in our minds already, God. It is accomplishing what you have sent it to accomplish. And I pray that today that would be fully done in Jesus' name. Come on and say amen if you want God's word to transform your heart and transform your mind and thus transform the way you live. Amen, amen, amen. I need everybody back up on your feet for just a moment. I know that when you leave La Palma Christian Center, you feel like you've been through a round of aerobics, but that's okay. You're going to get your workout today. All right. I want you to find three people close to you and just introduce yourself telling your full given name. First, middle, and last. Go, go now. Don't visit people. Just tell them your full name. Three people. Introduce yourself. First, middle, and last. Quickly, quickly. Now find your seat. Come on, everybody, find your seat. Did you find something you didn't know about someone? Now y'all just visiting. You crossed the line on me. Everybody find your seat. We'll visit around the soup bowl later. Did you find out somebody's full name that you didn't know, Cora? Short-term memory loss right there. Anybody find out somebody's middle name that you didn't know before? What did you find out? Leslie, is that true? Love it. All right. Anybody else find out somebody's middle name you didn't know about? Go ahead, Karen. What, What is it? I still didn't hear you. Elaine, great. My name is Stephen Lee. Thank you, Joseph. Stephen Lee Bland. Bonnie Jean, I love it. Anybody have more than one middle name here this morning? Okay, what's your your middle names? You got two middle names? 
Wonderful. Anybody else have more than one middle name? Aurelia? Isabella? Natasha? Natasha? I like how you said that. Ooh, that's got some flair to that. All right. You know, we went to school. Karen and I went to college with a girl. She had more than one middle name. Her name was Wilma, Joy, Regina, Hope, Anne, Clee, and then her last name. See, she had, a, she had a mouthful. She had five names before you got to her last name. Your name means something. Your name is important. It actually suggests something. It, it says something. Today, we learn God's proper name. Today, God introduces himself to us as Yahweh. Hello, my name is Yahweh. Yahweh means the self-existent one. It's the God who has always been. It's the God who is today. It's the God who will always be. I hope you leave here today knowing who Yahweh is. He's going to transform your life. It's his name. Isaiah 42, 8. I am the Lord. That is my name. This translates Yahweh as well. I am Yahweh, that is my name, and my glory I will not give to another, nor my praise to carved images. As I studied for this lesson today, this, this sermon today, I, I found that most scholars agree Yahweh is God's proper name. All other names that God uses are simply descriptions of his character, and they tell of his ability. But when he says that he is Yahweh, it is like God telling us what we just told others in the room. It is your given name. It is your proper name. This is Yahweh. We've learned a little bit about God from learning his names. For instance, we've learned that God is Elohim. Anybody remember who God is as he says he is Elohim? Eternal creator. We've also learned that he is El Elyon. What is El Elyon when God introduces himself to us as El Elyon? Come on, somebody, say, Most High God. He's high above. He is highly exalted. We also learned of El Shaddai. What is it? Good, Justin. You taking notes or something? You better be careful. You're about to have your life transformed. You're about to have your life turned upside down. You better be careful setting up in the front of the church and taking notes and worshiping God. You're about to be transformed, young man. Hey, hallelujah. El Shaddai, he's the God that satisfies us. Don't wait till you get to something that you're longing for. Don't wait till Jehovah Jireh shows up, the God that provides. Learn to know El Shaddai right now. He'll satisfy you all along your journey. And every step that you take and every decision that you make, El Shaddai will satisfy. Oh, that's just preparatory for where I'm going, but I'm excited today. Yahweh is used more than 6,800 times in Scripture. It's usually distinguished by the word LORD, all caps, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, LORD. Three times more than Elohim, the word Yahweh is used. And the root meaning in Hebrew is 
to be or to live. That's what Yahweh means. This implies that God in His very essence is life and that all life is found in Him and in Him alone. We serve a God that is alive and that gives life to all who believe in Him. He is Yahweh. He is the self-existent one. Let me give you a little bit, bit of background on this word, Yahweh. Originally, Yahweh was written with just four consonants and no vowels. Y-H-W-H. The Jews considered this word so holy that they wouldn't even pronounce it because they feared they would profane the holiness of God's name if they even uttered the word Yahweh. When they came upon it in their reading, they would refrain from pronouncing it and only think it in their mind and then resume their reading out loud. The only time it was actually literally pronounced out loud was on the Day of Atonement once a year and that was only by the priest in the holy place. That's how they viewed and revered this sacred name. When scribes would copy scripture, they would stop to bathe before writing this name and use a new pen that had never been used. Then they would write the name Yahweh and destroy that pen and then continue with the same ritual. That's Yahweh, the self-existent one the one who's always been, the one who is now, and the one who will always be. That's a far cry from how God's name is spoken and respected today. I mean, think about it. God's name is used so casually. God's name is used so flippantly. God's name has become a part of our vernacular. It's become a part of our, our slang. God's name is used in cursing. God's name is used in damning. But I've come today to tell somebody that the name of God is still to be revered. The name of God is still high and exalted, and it is to be respected. And as far as I know, Exodus 27 is still in the Bible, and so it still applies. And it reads like this, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Do I have anybody here today that believes God's name is holy and should be reverenced and revered? People don't respect God's name. Because they don't respect God. Is that fair to say? They don't respect God because they don't really know God. They think of God as the big man upstairs. That's not Yahweh. That's not my God. That's not our God. They think of God maybe as some heavenly police ready to bust them for their bad behavior. They don't know God. They view God as some old bearded man who winks at their wrong, some father time figure that's allowing wrong for his grandchildren. They think of God as their buddy, perhaps. 
God is not your holy vending machine. God is not your cosmic bellhop. God is Yahweh, the self-existent one, the one who was, the one who is, and the one who will be. Their view of God is too small. They think they have God all figured out. But how many understand today, you haven't got God all figured out. I don't want your view of God to be so small that you try to contain him. You try to house him. You try to box him in. In his book, Your God is Too Small, J.B. Phillips writes, The trouble with many people today is that they have not found a God big enough for their modern needs. How big is God? How big is Yahweh to you? We've put God in a box, all of us to some degree. I have a variety of boxes here. They're used for different purposes and different functions. Pastor Becca happened to have this one, and I thought it would fit very well, trying to box the Holy Spirit in, trying to box God in. And here's probably our favorite size box, just this little tin so convenient we can put it in a pocket and just take it where we want or we can leave it in our dresser if we want and then we just let God out whenever we need him and we just take a little bit of him see we try to carry him around we try to handle him we let him out when we need him we confine him to our walls of rebellion we confine him to our walls of unbelief we want God to fit in with what we want him to be instead of who God really is we want God to conform to our lifestyle instead of us conforming to God's image but today God introduces himself to us as Yahweh the self-existent one. I am that I am. The one who has always been, the one who will always be, the one who will not be boxed in. Today, God breaks out of the box. Come on, look at your neighbor and tell him God's breaking out of the box today. Come on, tell somebody God's breaking out of the box today. Hey, he's breaking out of the box today. And I want to give you four box breakers that I want you to write down as you get to know Yahweh. Number one, Yahweh is personal. Here's Moses, Gerald, out in the desert, minding the sheep, minding his own business. What happens? God shows up. <laughs> Aren't you thankful that you can't run and hide from God? Moses was running and hiding from a situation, from a past mistake. But see, God knew where he was. God knows where you are. God knows where I am. And we can't run from God. He'll always go where we are. And he personally shows up. He appears in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush, but the problem is the bush is not being consumed. It's just alive with fire. And if that's not bad enough or good enough, depending on how you look at it, scary enough, frightening enough, a voice comes out of the bush. 
It's like the bush is speaking, but it's actually God speaking, and he's using this, this bush, the flame there in the bush. And as God speaks to Moses, he starts to unfold a plan, God's plan, a heavenly plan. It is for the deliverance of God's people. And I want you to just jot down a few of the personal aspects that I saw of Yahweh. First of all, he has a voice. Verse number 4 says, When the Lord saw that Moses looked aside, God called to him. He called to him from the midst of the bush, and he said, Moses, Moses. And Moses replied and said, Here I am. I'm thankful today that the God that I serve is alive, and he has a voice. Can you hear the voice of God? Can you hear the voice of Yahweh? Now, I will state for the record that I have never literally heard God's voice. There are those who have told me that they have heard God speak to them literally, audibly. I have not. And truth be told, I don't really care if I hear the audible voice of God while I walk on this earth because I plan on hearing the audible voice of God for the rest of eternity because I've asked Jesus to come into my life and be my Savior. And because I've done that, I'm going to heaven. And there I will live and there I will reside and there I will dwell and I will hear the voice of God. Hallelujah. But I want somebody to know today that God still speaks. God still has a voice. And if you never hear him audibly, still hear his voice. He speaks through his word. How many have your Bible today? Come on, hold it up. There's leather-bound editions. There's Bible on the phone. I see tablets being raised. There's no excuse, folks, for us not to have the word with us at all times. And mostly, we should have the word within us. Hide the word in your heart so that you might not sin against God. You want to hear the voice of God? Get into the word of God. You want to hear God speak to you? Read the word of God. And I believe that today God will speak to you through his word. God speaks to me as I bow my knee in prayer. Here's another way that God talks. Get on your face. Get on your knees. Pace up and down the, the aisleway somewhere. Find a closet somewhere and get alone with God and commune with him and pray to him and listen for him. I promise you today, God will speak to you. How many have ever prayed and heard God speak to you in your time of prayer? Come on, will you testify with an upraised hand? Hallelujah. God has a voice and he speaks. He'll use godly people. Sister Mickey over here, I love this woman. She's a gift to this church. And she has come in, I don't know how many years now, we found her. She stopped by at a, at a yard sale. The music department, I was the music pastor back when. We were having a yard sale. And wouldn't you know, she stopped by to see what we were selling. And she came into one of our services and never left. And I could not tell you today, ma'am, how happy I am that God has sent you to La Palma Christian Center. Amen. She's a gift. She's a jewel. And she, she is a gift, but she has the gifts of the Holy Spirit operating in her already. They're bubbling up in her right now. She's got the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And ever so often, she'll pull me to one side. How many of you have ever had Sister Mickey give you a word from God? 
Look at this. All over this congregation, God has used this woman to one-on-one say, God would have me say to you. And I've never known her to be off. Every word that you have spoken to me and said God wants me to tell you has been on. And I'm just trying to, I'm not trying to lift her up and puff her up. I'm just trying to tell somebody today that if you want to hear God, he will speak to you in a variety of ways. He'll speak to you through his word. He'll speak to you on your face in prayer, on your knees in prayer. And he might just inspire someone like Sister Mickey to say, would you listen to God for just a moment? God is trying to tell you something. Hallelujah. All I know is God has a voice and God speaks. Let him speak to you today. Another personal aspect that I saw of God that I thought was important for us today, he has eyes. Look at verse number 7. The Lord said, I've surely seen. I've seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. There are those around the world and even in this part of the country, our, our, our great country, they will bring fruit and vegetables to a designated area of their house where their God is supposed to be. Little G with quotes, because again, we know there is only one El Elyon, the most high God. But Sister Bonnie Jean... Here's another gift right there. I could go on and on. God is alive. They bring these fruits and vegetables to a God that doesn't have a voice, who doesn't have eyes. He can't see them. He can't hear them. But we have a God who's alive. He has a voice. He has eyes. He sees his children. The eyes of the Lord, Psalm 34, 15 tells us, They're on us. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. Just as Yahweh saw the affliction of his people, so he sees your affliction today. Be comforted in that. Rest assured in that. God also, Yahweh, has ears. Just jot down a few personal aspects. He has a voice. He has eyes. He has ears. Verse 7 continues on. He says, I've seen their affliction and... I've heard their cry because of their taskmaster or because of their adversary, because of their enemy. They were relentless with God's people, would not leave them alone. We also have a taskmaster, don't we? We also have an adversary. We also have an enemy. The thief comes only, John 10, 10. The thief comes only but to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. God is listening to all of this. He's seeing all of this. The psalmist said, in my distress, Psalm 120 and 1, I cried to the Lord and he heard me. Know that every time you cry, God hears it. Even if it's a cry that's just in your heart or in your mind, God hears it. Because he has ears and he's listening for us, church. He's listening for his children. Those are mine. That's my daughter right there. That's my son right there. He speaks because he has a voice. He sees because he has eyes. He hears because he has ears. Now watch this. In in verse 7 it continues. He has knowledge. He knows. Another personal aspect for those who are jotting down notes. For I know the sorrow 
this actually speaks more than just an awareness. He's not just aware, Bonnie. He, he knows. It's like I can relate. If you've ever gone through a, a difficult time, maybe you've, you've gone through a divorce or you've lost a loved one, you've lost a child perhaps, there's no one that can console you better than someone who's already been there. And they say, I know what you're feeling. This is what God's saying. It is a deeply connected to. It is intimately involved. It is a heartfelt, I know their sorrow. God knows your sorrow. God knows my sorrow. The trouble that we face, the tribulation and the temptation, because he speaks, he sees, he hears, he knows. God is present. Number two, Yahweh is present. So here's God speaking from a bush on fire but not being burned up. And he starts to tell Moses his plan. Moses had another plan, I suppose. God interrupted his plans. And as God starts unfolding his plan to Moses, Moses starts unfolding his inadequacies back to God. Look at verse number 11 of our text. Moses says to God, well, who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and who am I that I should bring the children out of out of Israel or the children of Israel out of Egypt? I think Moses is trying to tell God, you got the wrong guy. There's somebody much more qualified than I am. There's somebody that could do this better than I could do this. There's somebody there has to be somebody else, God. And he starts starts almost an argue kind of, you know, wrestle with God and debate with God. Who am I? I don't think I can do this. And later we found out in verse uh, chapter number 4, verse number 10, Moses said to God, I'm not eloquent of speech, neither before nor since you've spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech. I'm slow of tongue. I stutter. I stumble all over my words. I don't, I've tried to use that one myself, Cora. It doesn't work. I've tried to tell God. Why, I, I, you know, somebody else could be the pastor of this church. Why somebody else could, could do the music, uh, just whatever. Everything God's called me to do, I think, is over my head. I've prayed for five years about starting a master's program because I don't, I don't need something else to do. And I had all these excuses, good excuses. I couldn't get away from it. And God called me to something that's bigger than me something that I could not do in my own ability and in my own strength. Hear me today. God is speaking. God is unfolding a plan. He wants to include you in it. And believe me, it will be over your head. Believe me, it's out of your reach. That's the whole point. If we can do things in our own strength and in our own ability, why do we even need God? But when we get to a place where we say, God, that's too big for me. God, I can't do that unless you help me. That's exactly where God wants us to be. And God says, I'm going to help you with it. Hallelujah. 
So Moses tells God of his inadequacies, and God responds by telling Moses of his sufficiency. Look at verse number 12. God says back to Moses, well, that's all right. I'm going to be with you. He didn't say how. He didn't say what he was going to do necessarily. He just said, don't worry, I'll be with you. I'm so glad that today God is present. Just as he was present with Moses and with Moses, he's present with us. He, he, he reminded him of who he was. He says in verse number 6, I'm the God of your father. I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. That's who he was. They're already dead. Then he switches gears, and so the same God that was, had been with the patriarchs was now showing up and speaking to him, but not just speaking to him. He also was going to be with him. So not only the God that was, the God that is. Look at verse number 14. He reinforces that who he was, he still is. And he says, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, tell them I am has sent you. The one who was is the one who still is. Yahweh guided and strengthened Moses because he was with him. Yahweh was present. God is with us. He said in Hebrews 13, 5, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Psalm 46, 1, God is our refuge and our strength. A what? Come on, somebody, help me. A very present help. That's right now. That's immediately. That's just when you need him. He will be there. Aren't you thankful that Yahweh is present? Thirdly, Yahweh is powerful. This cannot be emphasized strongly enough. God not only assured Moses by speaking to him and by introducing him uh, by his proper name and giving him, really, as he introduced him to his proper name, he was giving him his name. He backed it up with a demonstration of his power. Look at verse number 20 there in Exodus chapter 3. God said, I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my mighty wonders, which I will do in its midst. And after that, then Pharaoh will let you go. God demonstrated this power then by displaying his ability. What was God's ability? What was God's power demonstrated thereafter? He started with Moses' rod. Remember this? God said, what do you have in your hand? Moses said, I just have a stick. I just have a rod. And God told him to throw it down. Let go of that which is comfortable. Let go of that which you have security in. Let go of that which you use and lean on and helps you along your path, let go of it. God did a powerful demonstration with Moses' rod. It became a snake, and he picked it back up and became the rod again. And it was the symbol through all of the exodus and the wandering even through the desert of God's power. What was God's demonstrated power? Ten plagues. Ten plagues. Do you remember the ten plagues? Give you a little Sunday school lesson here. Number one, the blood. 
Number two, the frogs. Number three, lice. Number four, flies. Number five, the livestock became diseased. Number six were the boils. Number seven was the hail. Number nine was the darkness and the tenth plague. The death of the firstborn. I would say that's some demonstration of God's power, never mind the crossing of the Red Sea, never mind the water gushing from the rock, never mind the manna falling from heaven to satisfy their hunger, never mind the quail arriving at the camp, never mind God sustaining them through 40 years of wandering around in the desert. And the God that had power for his people back then is the same God today with the same power today. He is able to use what we have in our hands. He's able to reveal him himself through the through the darkest of our days hallelujah he's able to part the waters that are in our way able to quench our thirst able to satisfy our hunger and able to sustain us through the desert wandering is anybody thankful here today for Yahweh's power he has power folks and number four this is a box breaker right here Yahweh is a promise keeper Victor, have you ever had somebody make you a promise and then they didn't keep the promise? I don't like that. I, I, well, I hate that. I didn't want to say hate, but I don't like that. That's disappointing. That's frustrating. Well, you see, God doesn't do that. First of all, God makes promises. We see throughout Scripture God making promise, promises because God is a promise maker. He makes, He creates promises, covenants. We call them covenants. Not only does God make promises, God remembers. And He doesn't forget. If you'll back up to the end of chapter 2, you'll see what actually started this whole conversation with God and Moses on the backside of the desert with the burning bush. Look at verse 24 of Exodus 2. God heard the groanings of the people and God remembered his promise. God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And so each time that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are mentioned in chapter 3, there's three different times, verse 6, verse 15, and verse 16. Look in your Bible. You'll see him mentioning, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What God is doing here is he remembered in in chapter 2 and verse number 24, now he's recounting his covenant or his promises. He's reminding. Not only was I with them, the promise I made with them, I will keep. He makes promises. He remembers promises. He recounted the promises. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, Yahweh kept his promise. The children of Israel were delivered from Egypt now, it did take another 40 years of wandering through the desert to get Egypt out of them, but God did his part, and God said what he was going to do, and God did what he said he would do and delivered them out of Egypt. Why? This is just God's nature, to keep a promise, to keep a covenant. I don't have the time to develop this here, but if you would look in Genesis 9, maybe later you'll see God making a promise to Noah 
He would never again destroy the world by floodwaters. And every time you see a, a rainbow, you should be reminded of this covenant. That's the sign. That's the sign. God made a covenant with Abraham. He would never, or he would bless Abraham and all nations would come through his son Isaac. And that came to be because God is a promise keeper. He made a covenant with David and declared that one of his descendants would be the royal heir to the throne. And when Jesus was born, it fulfilled this covenant. Born from the line of David, born in the city of David. And just as God kept his promise to Moses, he will keep his promise to you. Yahweh, the self-existent one, the one who's always been, the one who is today and will always be. Yahweh is personal. Yahweh is present. Yahweh is powerful. And he always keeps his promise. Earlier in the sermon, I said to you that Yahweh was so sacred, the, the people, the Jewish people, wouldn't even dare speak it. They wouldn't even pronounce it. I found out that the Jewish rabbis taught that one of the signs that the Messiah had come would be his ability to pronounce this name. In John chapter 8 and verse number 58, look at this. Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, look, Yahweh, I am. Jesus not only says the name out loud, he declares himself as the bearer of this name. He later goes on to use this very description of himself eight different times. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the vine. I am the alpha and omega. I am the resurrection and the life. You see, if you want to know Yahweh, get to know Jesus. Because he is God. He is Yahweh. I am that I am. I want you to bow your heads all over this room. Call on Jesus today. As you call on Jesus, you will know Yahweh, the God who's always been, the self-existent one. Do you know Jesus? Have you asked him into your life, into your home, into your situation? If you're here today and you would say, Pastor, I really want to know Jesus. I'm ready for a change of life. I need help. I want to accept Jesus into my heart and into my life. If that's you, lift your hand and let me pray for you before we leave here today. Come on, lift it now, lift it high. Let me pray for you. Anyone, you're ready for Jesus to change your life. Don't delay. This is the time. This is the hour. Accept Christ. 
Accept the Lord. Accept Yahweh. Anyone? Yes? I'm going to ask you to take a very courageous step if you've lifted your hand. I want you to come to this altar. Sonny, I want you to pray with our sister here. And I want you to lead her in a prayer of repentance and introduce her to Jesus. Introduce her to Yahweh. Wow. Somebody's finding God. Is there anyone else? Anyone else? everybody's attention as I said a moment ago we try each of us to box God in to some degree but today God breaks out of the box whatever box we may have him in how many want God to break out of the box today come on you want God out of the box how about the box of your doubt the box of your fear the box of your insecurity, the box of your small thinking. God is bigger. God is greater. God is more powerful. I need five volunteers who will help me break the box today. All right, Elliot, I need the first five people up on the stage. First five people, whoever you are, the first five can participate. Right over here. One, two, three, four. Ay, ay, ay. Rock, uh, paper, scissors. Right over here, guys. Thank you, Pastor Jojo. All right, help me, Pastor Dave. Come on, let's break God out of the box today. My Lord. Hallelujah. You might want to stand up. You're going to like this. Come on, everybody. We're going we're gonna to watch these five men break God out of the box, and it's gonna, they're representing all of us. So I want you to put on these goggles, reach into one of the boxes, take the hammer. Pastor Mike's first. Ooh, I, did I say that out loud? I prophesied to you again. Shoo. Get your hand on a, one of those boxes and tell me what it says. Insecurity. Uh-oh. So why don't we just break God out of the box of insecurity today. Come on, somebody, stretch forth your hand. We're going we're gonna to see. Hey! See there? See there? Bouncing all over the place. You're going to break my table too, but that's all right. No more insecurity. God is breaking out of the box today. Hallelujah. Did you get your box? What's yours say? Small thinking. Break him out of the box of small thinking. Come on. Ay, 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 ay. Woo! Come on, Elliot. What, what, you, what box is God breaking out of? Fear. No more fear, somebody. Come on, somebody. God is breaking out of the box today. Hey! Woo! Come on, Victor. What, God, what box is God breaking out of? Selfishness. No more selfishness, everybody. Come on, no more selfishness. God's breaking out of the box. Sartorius, what what got what box here? Doubt. No more doubt. 
No more doubt. Break God out of the box of doubt. Hey! Woo! He's breaking out of the box. Breaking out of the box. Yahweh is here. Yahweh is present. Yahweh is personal. Yahweh is powerful. Hallelujah. Come on, could we just lift up one more shout before we leave this place today? Breaking God out of the box. Breaking God out of the box. Our great big God. Woo. Can't be confined. He can't be limited. With God, all things are possible. Anything is possible with our God. Amen. We're going to dismiss you in just a moment. Pastor Dave, I want you to come. I want to remind you, get your soup and get back here. And even if you can't bring anything, come and join us. Lots of the life groups are going to be here. And we're just going to have a really good time this afternoon. Three o'clock, come hungry and let's enjoy our time together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your presence in this place. We thank you for the lives that have been changed around these altars, oh God. We thank you that we can come in here and we can freely worship you, Yahweh. We hold on to the message. We hold on to the promise, the power. Lord, we hold on to these things and we put them deep into our spirits, deep into our hearts. Be with us, God, as we go our way. Bring us back and let us have a great day in you. In Jesus' name, amen.